The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. This morning we'd like to continue our consideration of the fear. Uh, last week we considered the fear of God versus the spirit of fear. And uh, those are really only the two types of fear that we find in this world, the fear of God versus the spirit of fear. But there are multiple ways that that spirit of fear manifests itself in our life. Um, the primary four, you could meditate on this and and consider some different categories and some different uh, sections if you wanted to. But the four that I think we'll spend time thinking about, the four manifestations or four ways that many times we see that spirit of fear afflicting us in our life is the fear of the unknown, the fear of being overwhelmed, the fear of man, and then the fear of death. And this morning we'd like to consider the fear of the unknown, the fear of the future, the fear of um, everything that could happen, (laughs) the fear of what if, the fear of might. Uh, Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 to introduce these thoughts this morning. I want to remind you of the uh, the overall definition of fear uh, that we tried to present for you. Um, from Webster's 1828 Dictionary. A painful emotion or passion excited by an expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. So first of all, the painful emotion. We talked about last week some of the effects of that spirit of fear. Torment and bondage. But notice, really the whole premise a fear is based, is based on an expectation of evil. It's not necessarily based on us dealing with historical facts and things that are currently happening. It is based on an expectation of evil, what I think will probably occur, or an apprehension of impending danger. Not necessarily danger that's immediate, that's right in front but, but it's a fear of impending danger and an expectation of the evil that may come. And uh, if we let this fear go unchecked and uncontrolled, it can certainly create anxiety. Now, here's a definition for anxiety for you. Anxiety from Webster's 1828 Dictionary. <clears throat> Concern or solicitude respecting some event future or uncertain again this is based on you looking towards something that is not yet concrete not yet identifiable and you're looking at that and it's causing anxiety and fear or a painful emotion that's in the definition for fear so concern or solicitude Respecting some event, future or uncertain, which disturbs the mind 
and keeps the mind in a state of painful uneasiness. Boy, that is an accurate definition of anxiety, isn't it? I can amen that, that definition. But notice, both of these definitions, both fear and anxiety, the, the root cause of these is an expectation of what might happen. Okay, an expectation of the evil that may come, regardless of the percentage uh, that it may actually happen in reality. But it's focused towards something that based on my assumptions, based on my expectations, I think this will probably occur, and therefore that is causing me a disturbing of the mind and a state of painful uneasiness. So, really the root of all of this, the root of all these types of fear is based on our expectation of what we think might occur. You know, I think about different situations, um, whether it be conversations, uh, difficult conversations that I may have to have in different settings, in a work setting or in a church setting. You know, some people, I have background with them and a relationship with them to where even if I have to say something that's difficult, I have confidence in them that they're going to receive it well. But, you know, sometimes I don't always have that confidence that they're going to receive the difficult conversation. So if I know something's coming up, I know that I have to um, have a difficult conversation my expectation of how I think that conversation is going to go or my expectation of what they might or what their reaction might be typically dictates am I a little bit nervous when I pick up the phone or am I pretty confident that we're going to be able to be honest and just deal with the situation and many times many times I approach a situation with a lot of anxiety because I have an expectation that things aren't going to go well, and then lo and behold, they go really, really well. <laughs> you know, the reason why I approach that with fear and anxiety is because of my expectation of what might happen, and guess what? Reality did not line up with my expectation, and then things went very smoothly. But the reason why I was fearful, anxious on the front end was because of my expectation of what I thought might or probably would occur, and guess what? It didn't materialize. So I had that fear and anxiety for no reason, right? But what's it all based on? What's it all based on? Is my fears, my anxiousness toward, I, toward what I think might happen, the fear of the unknown. And let's just go ahead and skip to the conclusion before we make our way all the way through this. And this is, um, it's been difficult for me to kind of accept this and wrap my head around the reality of the root cause of this fear of the unknown. Because it, it stings. But I think it's true. That if I have a paralyzing, crippling fear of the unknown, 
the root cause of that is a lack of faith and trust that God's grace is really sufficient for whatever might come tomorrow. And you know what? Tomorrow something bad, something difficult may come. By the way, it is a tremendous grace. It is a tremendous mercy from God for Him to not tell us what tomorrow holds. Sometimes we feel like that we would be in a lot better spot if we knew what the future held. Sometimes we feel like that it would cause us so much more comfort if we knew what tomorrow held. It is such a, a mercy from God for us to not know what tomorrow holds. Because you would be, if you did know, and you know what, tomorrow may be just a normal day, but if it's one of those life-changing days and you knew about it years in advance, you wouldn't have been able to survive the day before because you probably would have been in the hospital for ulcers for worrying about it because you knew it was coming three years from now, right? It is a tremendous mercy from God for us to have the privilege of walking by faith and trusting tomorrow with the sovereign God of this universe. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. You know, we could not handle much more knowledge than we have. You know, sometimes you're like, oh man, I wish I had more knowledge of, you know, God's omniscient. He knows everything. I wish I, I had more facts. Well, listen, most of the time, more facts cause more problems. <laughs> it's been my experience in life. <laughs> and could you, uh, the only person who could bear the weight of knowing everything that's going to happen has to be God. It can't be a human. A human couldn't bear that. So it is a tremendous mercy from God that he forces us to walk by faith and trust tomorrow and the future in any degree of unknown to him because we can't bear that. We don't have the capacity to bear the full weight of even the reality of tomorrow, let alone all of the hypothetical fears of what we perceive might happen tomorrow. Okay? In Matthew chapter 6, <clears throat> start reading here in verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life and what ye shall eat and what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on, for is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. We'll go ahead and read through the rest of the chapter, and then we'll come back and, and deal with each of these verses. <clears throat> Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, 
which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye? What's the root cause of a fear of the unknown? O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. A lack of trust and confidence that God's really going to take care of me no matter what comes. Verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or with what shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And we all know verse 33 really well, right? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But don't ever forget the context in which that verse is given. Okay? And then verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Listen, there's enough real problems today to occupy your mind. And boy, you can, you can have enough fear and concern with just the reality of the problems of today instead of wearing the burden and the weight of all the hypothetical situations that could possibly happen tomorrow. But you see a phrase pretty consistently here in this passage about taking no thought. Taking no thought. Now, clearly this is not saying that we should not have a reasonable degree of planning for the future, right? You will be a very irresponsible adult <laughs> if you take no thought for the morrow. You know, it, it says here, by the way, um, don't be concerned about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Well, you know, if money's tight and I don't know what I'm going to eat tomorrow, you may have to budget today to buy what you need tomorrow, right? <laughs> so you, need, you absolutely need to have thought right toward the things of the future but what this is describing is not that you don't make appropriate reasonable planning to you know same thing he talks about raiment you know you might need to uh, budget today to be able to buy new shoes tomorrow if your shoes don't fit or you you know lost your coat or you know whatever you may have to purchase these basic necessities and you may have to make sacrifices today budget appropriately to be able to buy them tomorrow so clearly you're going to have thought toward the future but what this is describing is being so worried and so consumed and so fearful and anxious for tomorrow that it absolutely cripples your ability to function today. Take no thought for the morrow. There's a reasonable degree of planning, but if you're spending all of today worried about what might happen tomorrow, how fruitful are you going to be today? Very minimally, right? Or at least diminished at least diminished um, because if you're, you're spending all your time worried about it not even 
the realistic situations that are going to come. Hey, you may be like me, and um, the thing that occupies most of my time in the worrying realm, if we put probability on the outcome of those, majority of them are less than 10%. We, we, we could probably even say less than that. We could probably even say less than 5%, maybe even less than 1%, but we'll just be reasonable. Less than 10% of any of the stuff that all the, because there are so many variations of the way things could, could happen. And that's just based on my expectations and my assumptions of the way things that hap can happen and my mind can't even fathom a lot of the other ways that it could happen that I hadn't even thought about, right? So you start multiplying all that stuff out, and these percentages are very, very small <laughs> about the possibility that what we spend most of our time being afraid of, that's causing us to be diminished in the kingdom today, there's a very typically a very slim probability that what we're spending all of our time worried about today actually occurs tomorrow. Take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow, <coughs> take thought of itself. Listen, tomorrow is going to be tomorrow, regardless of whether you spend your time worrying about it today or not. Now, I also want to say, like we said earlier, there's a reasonable degree of preparation and expectation that we can make. That can, I mean, hey, if, if you choose to, <laughs> it says in the Proverbs, uh, it condemns the sluggard pretty consistently. Well, if, if you say, if you have the ability to work and you say, Lord, give me food tomorrow, but you turned down a job yesterday <coughs> that could give you the pay to buy your food tomorrow, then you shouldn't look at the Lord tomorrow and say, well, Lord, where's my food at, <laughs> right? Well, no, of course not. So there is a reasonable degree of expectation, and, and you know what? We do our best, and we commend the rest over the Lord. So your neglect today can certainly affect tomorrow, but listen, there is so much about tomorrow that we have no control over, Right? But you want to know who's in control of tomorrow? God's in control of tomorrow. And not just tomorrow, but the tomorrow after that. And the week after that, and the month after that, and the year after that, because he is the God from everlasting to everlasting. Right? Let's go back to verse 25. <clears throat> Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Again, this is not saying to live in such a careless way that we don't have any foresight. But we do not let worry of um, the lack of God's provision tomorrow. That's what this is boiling down to. God has promised his children to give us what we need. He hasn't always promised us to give us the excess that we want, but he's absolutely promised to give us what we need. And you know what we need? We need food. We need drink. We need raiment. By the way, side note, 
He didn't promise us shelter right here. This world's not our home. This world's not our home. Jesus Christ didn't have a dwelling place here on the earth because his home was in heaven. But do you think that he talks about the fowls, he talks about the lilies. You know, if you see a bird, a sparrow, you know, do you look at them when they, and by the way, they, they work hard, don't they? <laughs> God is gracious. God's gracious to provide for those birds. But those birds work hard. There, there's not too many lazy birds just sitting up in the tree waiting on everybody else to bring them food. They are looking under every little bitty cranny. They are hard workers. But you don't know what they don't do? They didn't spend all night not sleeping the night before thinking, oh man, what if I don't find me a worm tomorrow and I die? Right? Do you, do you look at birds and you look at them and say, yeah, man, I bet they lost a lot of sleep because I just don't know if I'm going to find any worms tomorrow. And, you know, maybe I'm going to die. Maybe my little chicks are going to die. You know what they do? They just get up. And they just work hard all day long. And, and you know what? And, uh, I don't know exactly how their feeding goes. It may take them a while to find. <laughs> you know, it may be in the, in the, late in the day where they find that worm that feeds the kids after they've worked a hard day's work to find it. But, you know, I just don't look at, at, at sparrows and birds and, and view them having a lot of stomach ulcers <laughs> because they're just afraid that we're not going to be able to find enough worms to stay alive tomorrow. Now, God cares about his creation, but does he love sparrows? Did he send his son to die for sparrows? No, he didn't. You know, he also talks about lilies here. Do you think the lilies, now I understand, obviously, we're made in God's image, right? We have the ability to think through and function in a way that, that birds and flowers don't. But, but do, you, do you feel like that those lilies are just overly concerned that tomorrow I may not get enough sunlight, I'm probably just going to wither and die, you know? I'm not going to get enough nourishment from the soil for me, you know? I may only have a few days left, you know? You know what they get? They get exactly what they need that day. And you also probably haven't seen a lot of birds with a, uh, with a freezer or with a refrigerator where they're stored up enough food for a week or for a month. Now, I understand some animals hibernate, you know, but bear with me. There's a reason why you use the birds, I think, right? But... You know, they don't have excess. When they get up, and they don't even, by the way, we get up every morning, and part of our prayers every day in the model prayer should be, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. They don't pray that every morning. They don't pray that every morning. They just get up, and they just try to go find something to eat. But just because the Lord is so good, he provides for those little bitty sparrows, Right, so provides for the fowls of the air. They haven't prayed morning prayers for the Lord to give them their daily bread. And he sure enough didn't send his son to die for them. Now, 
if you ever doubt, if you ever doubt God's provision to care for the needs of his people, the only place you need to look at is the cross. Okay? If you ever doubt that God means what he says, when he says he'll never leave you or forsake you, why would he leave you or forsake you in time in a providential temporal sense when he chose to send his only begotten son to not forsake you in an eternal sense to save you from your sins so you would be with him in heaven at the end of time, right? The reason why we have confidence that God will absolutely provide for our needs today is because he has provided for our needs in eternity, right? He's provided for our needs by saving us from our sins. And if you ever doubt that God will provide for these needs, you need to look no further than the cross, right? Because if he didn't forsake you in eternity, he sure enough is not going to go against his word to forsake you here in time. So don't be overly concerned about, in the sense of consuming worry and anxiety and crippling uh, painful uneasiness, that that definition described. Learn the lesson from the fowls. Learn the lesson from the sparrows, from the lilies. Verse verse 31, well, actually verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You know, this says that tomorrow the grass is going to be cast in the oven. Now, I understand grass is not made in the image of God, and they they can't think the way we think. But how miserable do you think that grass's day would be today if they knew tomorrow they are going to be thrown in the oven? Right? No. They just soak up the sunlight today. Right? Because that is all that, at the end of the day, that's all we've been given. We've been given today. We've been given right now. Therefore, take you no thought what you shall eat, what you shall drink, wherewith shall you be clothed. Parenthetical statement. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of these things. You know, this is not a new novelty to him. He knows what you need. And by the way, he knows what you need better than you know what you need. Right? And then, that's what we find in verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes putting the kingdom first Makes making, uh, requires you to make financial sacrifices. Well, why am I willing to take that job that may not have as high of a salary, but I'm able to ensure that I'm at church on Wednesday night, I'm at church on Sunday, but I'm not going to take that job that forces me to work every weekend and forsake the assembling of myself together assembling of the church together, if you make that sacrifice, putting the kingdom first, you don't need to be worried about, oh man, how am I, I going to make it if I turn down this job that forces me to, to compromise the kingdom? You don't need to be wringing your hands saying, oh man, I don't know how I'm going to be able to eat. I don't know how I'm going to be able to drink. Listen, if you are willing to make that kind of a sacrifice, God will absolutely honor that. And you know what? It's just amazing how the Lord just, if you're, if you're tr- truly trusting Him and you're putting the kingdom first, 
he can just allow things to multiply in a way that you just would not expect, right? He's able to do that. I mean, I know some people that have took such meager gross income and it seems like every single day when they're handing out the food, you know, just in a budgetary sense, especially as an accountant, I look at some people and I'm like, how in the world did these kids stay healthy? And they, how did they stay fed? And you know what? If you're walking by faith and you're putting the kingdom first, the Lord will multiply what you have in a way that you probably wouldn't expect. He's able to do that with feeding of the 5,000, that widow that chose to offer up her last meal in faith with Elijah. And you know what? She didn't have a storehouse for those three years of drought. Every single day, they were out. And every single day, when they went back to that cruise of oil and that piece of meal, they had just enough for that day. Okay? So, I want to make sure that we really understand the practical application of seeking the kingdom first, okay? It's not just about getting up every morning with uh, the kingdom on your mind. You need to do that. You need to do that. But this is talking, and this is talking to the disciples, by the way. These disciples, you know, Peter was married. Peter was required to leave his family from time to time and leave his profession as a fisherman to fulfill his calling. And you know what? You don't need to be concerned that your family is not going to be fed while you're away doing what God's calling you to do, putting the kingdom first. You trust God that he's going to give them exactly what they need, even if you can't even necessarily see where it's coming from. And these disciples were going to have to go uh, this is, he tells them this in Matthew chapter 10. They go out into all these cities, and, they, and he said, don't, don't take script with you. Don't take uh, all these provisions for you. you. You show up in town with nothing, with nothing to eat. You preach the gospel. Those that receive it, you go into their house, and they're going to feed you. If they reject it, you go to the next city. But they were required to show up in a city with Nothing, not knowing how they were going to have supper that night and be called to preach the gospel and trust that God was going to give them enough for what they needed. Okay? So this is talking about us really having a commitment to put the kingdom first in our professional decisions, in our financial decisions, in our relationship decisions, and even if... Something, if you're called to give up something that might, from your fear of the unknown, put you in a more difficult position financially, but God's calling you to do that to put the kingdom first, and He gives you a piece about that, He will bless you and multiply you in you doing what He called you to do, even if you don't necessarily know how the math of the budget is going to work out. That's the practical application of this, okay? Not just about making sure we put the Lord first. We put the Lord first in every decision, but this is the filter through which we make professional decisions and financial decisions. And 
many transactions here in this world, if we put the kingdom first, the Lord has promised to provide for our needs. He hasn't always provided a promise to provide for all of our excess wants. But he's, provi- he's promised to provide for our needs. And then in verse 34, the concluding verse here, Take therefore no thought. Don't be overly consumed with crippling worry and painful uneasiness of anxiety. For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. There's, there's enough problems tomorrow. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There's enough real problems today than for you to be so consumed and burdened and worried about a million different hypothetical scenarios that might happen. That is a weight that's too heavy for us to bear. To use the language uh, of salvation by works where it talks about uh, we've been saved by grace and uh, there were some people there in Acts chapter 15 that were trying to preach salvation by works and that you had to be circumcised and the uh, apostles told them there that that is a yoke that you were never intended to bear and the the weight of you having to do something to be saved to heaven is a yoke that you were never intended to bear. Amen. But I'll tell you, the yoke of what might happen tomorrow is a yoke that you were never intended to bear. It says in the Psalms that the Lord is a a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. You know, the Lord doesn't give us a spotlight that shines with with total clarity for the pathway that we're going to take for the next 50 years. And we may look at that sometimes and be like, Lord, why can't you just give me that spotlight to tell me what is around the horizon? But listen, it is such a mercy that he doesn't do that. It's such a mercy that he doesn't do that. You know what he gives you? He gives you just enough light to take today's step by faith. And he gives you just enough light after today's over, the next day, to take that step by faith. And he gives you just enough light for the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. And we're forced to not walk by sight. What are we called to walk by? We're called to walk by faith, right? By trusting God, not with total vision and clarity. <clears throat> Proverbs 27 and verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Amen to that. We, we don't know what today holds. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And if you did know what tomorrow holds, and it was a negative thing, you would be absolutely consumed and crippled today. You know, I think about some very sudden, dramatic situations. Uh, think about um, my father-in-law, Brother David, Machiavelli passing away very suddenly. We had no idea that that was going to happen the next day. We had no idea that was going to happen. And boy, everything changed after that. Not just that day, not just that week, but to a large degree, the life of our family changed totally. You know, I had no idea that um, some little bitty email uh, would try to be trumped up to be the means of me losing my job, which was 
ludicrous that that happened. But I had no idea that that was coming tomorrow. (laughs) But you know what happened after those two situations? When they hit, you know, the Lord, there were many difficult seasons and times and days in each of those cycles. But I'll tell you, the Lord graciously provided with grace sufficient, with exactly what we needed, because when there's a greater need tomorrow, oh, we're so, we're we're fitting to be starting on the radio. Lord willing, we're uh, we're finishing up the will of God. Mm-hmm. Hope you pay attention to our radio series. Um, we're finishing up the will of God, and I'm about to beginning a series on the providence of God. And boy, that just discussing the providence of God just excites my spiritual senses. Because when you look at Scripture and you see not just how God is providing for your needs today or He's providing for your needs tomorrow, but when you see God moving in hindsight, when you can see God moving years in advance, generations in advance, to where when that need comes tomorrow... Everything is exactly laid out with everything that you need. And when you see that God has been guiding and moving to to supply for the fullness of that need, and then when you see in Scripture, you know, think think about Joseph. God was guiding that situation, even through the mistakes and the sin of a lot of different people. He didn't cause it, but he suffered it in such a way that he was in the exact right place at the exact right time. 13 years was all of these events to put Joseph in the exact right place to save millions of people. So not only is God going to provide for your needs tomorrow, but there's a decent chance he's been prepping for it for years. Boy, that excites my spiritual senses. To think about our God that loves us so much that not only is he going to make sure that we're provided for, but we're going to, that we're provided for in excess. And not only that, but then when you see that he's been working and moving in his providence years in advance, and it may not be years, but even, even if it's just a couple days in advance, when you see that, oh me, I hope we can exclaim with, uh, we sang it this morning, the Lord will provide, but I hope we can, exclaim with Abraham when he was on Mount Moriah, when he was about to sacrifice his son, he looked over there and he saw that ram in the thicket. You know, it really hit me when I was recording that, that message for the, for the radio. You know, that ram did not just, it didn't just pop up right there. It didn't vanish out of nowhere. That ram had been stuck in that thicket. Now, this is an assumption. It's just that. But that ram had been stuck in a thicket for probably a couple hours. But guess what? He didn't see it because he was so mm-hmm. he was so focused on, I've got to sacrifice my son. Even if it was right in front of him, he probably couldn't even see it. But you know what? There came a time at the exact right time that he looked over there and he realized that God had provided exactly what was necessary in that exact moment. And guess what? It didn't just pop up vanish out of nowhere or or show up out of nowhere in two seconds, it'd been there the whole time. It'd been there the whole time. 
And Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. And I hope that you can see that. Boy, if the Lord's so gracious sometimes to peel back the curtain and give us clarity that he has been moving in his providence, I hope that we can exclaim along with Abraham, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. So I say all that to say, not only is God going to provide for your needs tomorrow, but he's known about that need since eternity past. He's known about that need, and I guarantee you he's preparing for it. He's been preparing for it to make sure that his children are taken care of. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, there may be something very negative happen tomorrow. Maybe something really positive happen tomorrow. But, you know, I can make reasonable expect, expectations. I can make plans. You know, I have a calendar. And I, there, there are things that, if the Lord will, that I have obligations to take care of uh, tomorrow. But boy, there have been circumstances in life where that calendar has just been thrown out the window. Because we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow holds. James chapter 4, verse 13. Go to you now and, and ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we will do this or that. You know, I know in times past I've been very guilty of that being a vain repetition. You know, I know I'm supposed to say it. Lord, nevertheless, not, not, not my will, but thine be done. But I'll tell you, you live life long enough and things happen that you don't expect. I have every intention of meeting the obligations that I've made and I have every intention of being where I told somebody I was going to be at but you know what it didn't work out it just didn't work out that's why we have to say if the Lord will I have every intention I have every good intention but if the Lord will it's up to the the providence and the will of God if, if I'm able to execute what I hope to be my plans for tomorrow and it's not, it's not wrong, again, to make plans for tomorrow, but don't, don't lock those plans in to such a degree that I'm absolutely going to do this. Boy, I've, I've definitely learned the lesson that be very cautious <laughs> making definitive statements. I, I've tried to. I'm not as purposeful as I should be in my speech, but um, I've tried to be purposeful to say, if the Lord will, we'll do this or that, you know. Not that I've made these plans and I will absolutely be executing on them. Okay, so a few things. Second Corinthians chapter 10. I think it's vitally important that we have um, a purposeful mindset to do our best to bring every thought into captivity. Now that applies in so many areas, but listen, we all have a nature that is going to have one stray thought of a what if. And boy, if you don't, if you don't bring it into captivity, that's the language here. If you don't control it and you don't wrestle it down, you know, think about that this idea, this 
description of bringing it into captivity, I think about a rodeo where they uh, have to wrestle those steers to the ground. I mean, it's, it's hard work <laughs> to wrestle your thoughts and get them under control and bring them into subjection and bring them into captivity. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse 5 is what we want to hit. But we always got to read verse 4 first. Always be reminded that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The armor of God is all you need. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, all the rest of that armor, and ultimately prayer, the seventh aspect of the, of the armor. Those are powerful enough to bring your thoughts into captivity. They're not carnal. They have the ability to conquer those strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought into captivity. Those thoughts are going to creep in. It's just the nature of being human and the nature of, of having a natural mind that still resides inside of us. Those thoughts are going to pop in, but as with all these discussions on fear, what do you do with it when it shows up? you got to wrangle it. you got to bring it into captivity. you got to wrestle it down. And then you have to be purposeful to replace it with something. Philippians chapter 4. One of the main ways that you do uh, bring your thoughts into captivity and to, to wrestle your thoughts, to bring them into subjection, is through prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Now, again, similar to take no thought, you know, you need to show appropriate caution in certain circumstances, but don't be so consumed with worry and care and anxiety and fear that it causes this painful uneasiness and this crippling torment and bondage. Be careful for nothing. What's our response to bring those thoughts into captivity. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And this is the effect of that. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep, guard, protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So when those thoughts come in your mind and you wrestle them and you bring them into captivity, you also don't just wrestle the negative, you replace it with the positive, okay? So what do you what do you focus on when you've wrestled down the negative thoughts and the fearful thoughts? What do you replace them with? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are, are pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Meditate on these things. You have to be purposeful to not just get rid of the negative, but to have things that you uh, think on and meditate on. That's why, I, you know, I, I try to give you a verse a month to meditate on and to, to memorize, but please be working on more verses than just one a month, okay? If you're setting your bar to 12 a year, your bar is too low, you know? You need to have something that you are meditating on a daily basis that you know what when those thoughts come in my, I don't have to be like flipping through oh what do I think about you know there's a there is a verse 
that I'm going to go to today. You know, when I have thoughts that pop in my head that shouldn't pop in there, I'm immediately going to replace it with this verse. Okay? If you do that on a daily basis, you'll learn a lot more Scripture than you'd expect. So, you bring every thought into captivity, but you also replace it with good thoughts. And since we're here in Philippians chapter 4, let's go ahead and read verse 19 for you to just remind you of God's comfort and provision and protection for you. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. He's not lack of supply. He has all riches in glory and in earth. And he has the full capacity to supply the needs of his children. Okay? To conclude, I hope you'll open up with me to um, Song 462, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. And I want to go through these lyrics with you. <clears throat> 462, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. Thank you, Ira Stanfield, <laughs> for these, this beautiful poetry that speaks to uh, not just our message today, but certainly speaks to, speaks to my soul, and I hope it does to you as well. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I'll borrow from its sunshine where its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry over the future. Why? Why am I not consumed with the fear of the unknown and the fear of the future? For I know what Jesus said. I, I have confidence in the Word of God. I have confidence in the promises of God. I have confidence that what He said, He will execute and He will do. And today I'll walk beside Him, for He knows what is ahead. You know, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but He does. And He is not only going to provide for that need, but again, He's probably been planning years in advance to make sure that that need is supplied for. Verse 2, Every step is getting brighter as the golden step, stairs I climb. Every burden is getting lighter. Every cloud is silver-lined. You know, I haven't got, got old yet, but I would think the closer I get, I get to heaven, it seems like my perspective would be more closely aligned, that I'm not as concerned about tomorrow as I used to be, because all of a sudden, all the burdens I used to have, they're just getting, getting lighter every day, because I know I'm one day closer to seeing Jesus Christ face to face. There the sun is always shining, no tear will dim the eye at the ending of the rainbow where the mountains touch the sky. I don't know, verse 3, I don't know about tomorrow. It may bring me poverty. Hey, that's a possibility. But if tomorrow does bring poverty, you want to know how you're going to provide for your needs? Hopefully the Lord will give you an opportunity to go out and work hard. But you want to know who's ultimately going to provide for your needs if the Lord does bring poverty? Even if you go out and you work hard, you want to know who who blessed you with that ability to do it? The Lord did. He's the one that's going to provide. If, if it's His will to suffer that to come, He 
is the one who holds tomorrow, even if that tomorrow holds a little bit of financial strain. But the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. You know, the, those sparrows are pretty much in poverty, aren't they? They barely have enough just to sustain their natural life. I would dare, I would dare say those, those sparrows are in poverty. But he cares for animals that are in poverty. He's certainly going to care for you if that's his will to suffer that to come in your life. And the path that be my portion, may it be through the flame or flood. Hey, tomorrow may hold a hot trial or a seemingly consuming flood. There may be very difficult circumstances on the horizon. Praise God, I don't know about them. <laughs> Yet, I just know when they come, I can say, Lord, please give me grace sufficient. Lord, please give me my daily bread. You know, it may be the Lord's will for him to suffer the flame or the flood to come in your life on the morrow. But in spite of that, his presence goes before me. And why should you have confidence that that flame, as it says in, in Isaiah, that flame is not going to kindle upon you. The waters are not going to overflow you. They're not going to consume you. Why? Because I'm covered with his blood. Because I'm his child. That he loved me before the foundation of the world. And he sent his son to die for me. And if he provided for my needs in eternity, he's going to provide for my needs tomorrow. His presence goes before me and I'm covered with his blood. Many things about tomorrow I sure don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds my hand. And... He is going to be holding your hand, whatever tomorrow holds, whatever tomorrow, even whether it be to loop in some other song, mysteries of joy and sorrow. We daily do pass through. There's a lot of joy that may be on the morrow, but there may be a lot of sorrow too. You thank him for the joy, but he's going to give you grace for the sorrow too. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, Right? I don't need, I don't need grace for a trial a year from now today. I need grace to deal with today, today. And you know what? Whenever that future trial rolls around, Jehovah Jireh is going to provide for me that day in the future, just like He did today. I don't know who holds tomorrow. I mean, I I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ holds our hand in the midst of anything that may come in the future. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.